0: Welcome back to the Young Journalist Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Kroger. In this episode, I interviewed Northwestern graduate student, Leia Van. In my opinion, she has a very bright future in the sports journalism world. Before she attended Northwestern, she was a sports writer for the Globe Gazette in Mason City, Iowa. And after that, she was the sports editor at the Steamboat Pilot and today in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. In this episode, we talk about her graduate school experience and so much more. So enjoy the podcast. All right, Leah, first off, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. I mean, everybody's in quarantine, and so are you. I mean, so how's that treating you right now?
1: Uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm fine. Uh, There are good and bad parts to being quarantined. You know, I have all the time in the world to read books and pursue side projects but you can get a little stir crazy at times and you get kind of sick of wearing a mask everywhere you go uh in illinois basically if you leave your house you need to be wearing a mask but you know i'm healthy i'm safe it could be worse
0: yeah you're definitely right there it could be worse but i mean obviously this is a journalism podcast and i mean from what I know about you, you were a biology major at University of Texas. So let's just get right into the first question. I mean, how did you get into journalism after studying biology?
1: Well, it depends if you, do you want the long answer or do you want the short answer? And I don't think the short answer is really that abbreviated.
0: <laughs> I mean, let's go with the long answer then.
1: Um, so basically I, so I went through cancer treatment when I was 15 years old. And, um, during my cancer treatment, I kept a blog on caringbridge.org where I was supposed to be blogging about, you know, my health and how I was doing, but instead it kind of turned into how are all my favorite football teams doing. Okay. Um, because I was super bored and all I was doing was watching football and, um, I'm, born and raised in Texas. And so football is kind of religion. And when football season ended, I just went straight into all the other sports and the off season. And um, so that was kind of my first, like I'm writing about sports experience, but what really sparked the love of like capital J journalism was um, I got a call from a writer at sports illustrated because at the time my high school Alito high school had the number one recruit in the nation. He was a running back named Jonathan gray.
0: Okay. I remember. And him. Jonathan
1: would come visit me in the hospital at least once a month oh, that's cool. and bring members of the football team or just kind of come hang out. And, um, So Sports Illustrated heard about it because in a post-game interview in the fall, they asked him, I think, on the radio somewhere what his inspiration was on the field, and he said, Leah Van. So um, when the writer from Sports Illustrated who called was Ben Glicksman, and he is now one of the top dogs at the ringer, actually. Oh, that's cool. Um, One of the founding members, but... Um, so he calls and he's asking my story and he's asking about my relationship with Jonathan Gray. And so I thought, oh, okay, this is a cool story about like Jonathan doing a good deed by visiting the cancer patient. But when the story came out, I was surprised by how much of my part was in it. I guess I wasn't, I had never... I didn't think that my part was that important other than the fact that he visited me. And then I realized like, by the way, he wove my story in that, you know, I was, it was just kind of this um, beautiful story and to read your own story from another person's point of view after they've spent an hour or so on the phone with you is really interesting. And I thought, I want to write stories like that someday. So course you know when you're applying to colleges and you grow up in a family like mine which values science and math they aren't exactly receptive to the thought of you becoming a sports journalist or a journalist at all so my mom said you know you major in journalism you're going to end up a bartender which okay side note not bad non-taxable income kind of a bad thing to have right now (laughs) but um and she said, or you'll end up an English teacher. Like, what can you do with a journalism degree? And it's, you're not going to live a lifestyle where you make a good salary. And um, I said, well, I want to do sports journalism. She's like, well, the people who do sports journalism, and in her eyes, that was the people on TV. Yeah. Um, they've played collegiate sports. And my hopes and dreams of that were kind of over. I kept playing sports after my treatment, but there was really no way I was going to go play college volleyball at anything more than a D3 school. If that, and I wasn't going to run track anywhere better than that either. So I went to college and I majored in biology thinking, you know, I've got to do the doctor thing. I've got to be a doctor. And I think part of it is also the cancer survivor guilt. Okay. And this feeling that you have to give back, um, to the community. I mean, in a way, um, when I talked about it with my friend, who's also a survivor, you feel kind of indebted to the community because you survived. So like, therefore you should help others, but that's not how you should live your life. It's just this thing that you feel. Um, But I was going through the motions and I love science but it wasn't I wasn't working hard enough to really make the grades for med school and I wasn't it wasn't where my heart was at you know I like science I like science and I think it's great but I wasn't like I wasn't gonna spend the extra three to four hours I probably needed to study every night you know I was gonna do the bare minimum and get the material and not take it any further. And I didn't really want to join any of the pre-med clubs. I sat in on all their meetings. Quite frankly, I hated the people. Okay. And I um and I felt like everybody was just trying to like talk about their grades all the time and I just realized that I wasn't having fun because I didn't want to volunteer in a hospital. I'd lived in a hospital. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't need to know what that was like. And, you know, you have to get volunteer hours. And most people do it for their resume. They don't do it because they actually Watch care. Yeah. I hate to say that, but it's true. And I just didn't want to do it. Um, so I joined the Daily Texan, which is a student newspaper. I actually tried out twice. Um, the first time I tried out, the guy I had my first kiss with was the sports editor. Oh wow! and turns out it was it must not have been a good kiss because I did not make the cut oh wow and (laughs) of course it was pretty awkward like Texas is a huge school and I was like oh there it is high school memories (laughs) but then the second time I tried out I had a sorority sister Jory Epstein and she's now the USA Today uh, NFL writer for the Cowboys Um, she was the sports editor at the time and I actually didn't my, the second time I tried out was like my junior year, and the first time I had tried out was like my freshman year. So there was like an out, There was like a year gap, and she let me on as a blogger because I didn't really know how to write journalistically, and then I learned the AP style stuff gradually through blogging. Then I got onto different like beats throughout my time there I mean I covered track and field a long time I made that beat my own and even took it on during the summer leading up to the Olympics and then I covered volleyball which is very good at Texas and then I covered softball which was not good at Texas at the time um but yeah and I took one journalism class that my friends recommended I take, and they said, you've got to talk to Kevin Robbins. He's a great professor. He's kind of the head honcho of sports um, at Texas. So I was like, okay. So I emailed him and I was like, hey, Kevin, so I'm a biology major and I want to take your upper division sports reporting class. Here are my clips from the Daily Texan. Can I meet with you? And I met with him and He was like oh these clips are good here's what you can improve on and my class i treat it like a newsroom and basically you need to go and find stories and call sources and put together put them together and then hopefully you come out with one or two published clips through our website i was like great sounds awesome but of course you to take that class i have to fill out all this paperwork um, through University of Texas, because I'm not in the communication school, and I'm like a junior, so they're going to be like, you know, you're not, a, you're not an essential person, so I didn't get into the class until the day that the class started, and yeah. I just planned on going, and so got into the class, and I worked my butt off, um, in the meantime, I had to drop evolutionary biology, because I was working so hard in this class, and um, I realized, I was like, if I'm working my absolute butt off and I feel driven to do so, that means that I love this. Like I really, really, truly love this. And um, so then I just went for it. I mean, I applied for internships, but you're really not um, qualified for internships unless you have internship experience. So I decided, well, I might as well apply for full-time jobs. And um, that's how I landed in Iowa, which is how we connected. Yep. But yeah, I just applied everywhere. I mean, you cast a wide net and then you apply to daily newspapers across the nation that need young writers. And um, I guess I just talk my way into a job and then I talk my way into another job. So that's kind of how I, I really just bullshitted my way through this entire thing. I mean, and That's my long story.
0: <laughs> I mean, some of the best people in life bullshit their way through life. So, I mean, right. so a lot of people do that. Also, for second, I'm kind of surprised that the Daily Texan had tryouts for the newspaper because at the Iowa State Daily, where I worked at in college, you didn't have to try out; you just like walked in and like you just attended like a freshman kind of like orientation type of thing, and then they just assigned you to whatever place that you wanted to be on.
1: Well, and I I don't know how it works for other departments, and I, I think there are still tryouts because the Daily Texan is very competitive. Yeah. But the sports section is especially so, and it's like a huge. There's a lot of people on the sports department at the Daily Texan, but also I think like tons of people apply, and um, they always told us at the beginning of each semester that we were lucky to have been, made the cut. And um, once you're on, once you're in, you're in, and you just keep applying and hope that you get the beat that you want. Um, But, yeah, you really have to – it's kind of cool how you have to work your way up, too, in the sports department itself. I mean, you really learn the, like, importance of earning your spot.
0: Yeah. Because, like, with the Iowa State Daily, like, obviously, like, you didn't have to try out for the sports section, but, like, they'll put you on, like, a lower-level beat. So, like, we had, like, clubs and athletics for, like, a beat. And like softball, like I started on clubs and athletics, but then like softball opened up, so that's my first one. And then you just work your way up. So, I mean, obviously you have to earn your stripes there. I mean, so I assume the reason why you're in grad school now at Northwestern is because like you wanted more journalism training, or like what was the reasoning behind grad school? Because I've thought about it. I I know some other people have thought about it, but like, why would you recommend grad school?
1: Um, for a person like. I think I recommend it for people like me, especially. I mean, there's it's interesting because we have a good mix of people who are making a career change um, and people who are coming straight out of undergrad. And then people who have we have a couple people like me who have worked for two or more years and just want connections, I guess. Um, my reasoning was because I only knew how to write and I guess I learned how to take photos when I worked in Steamboat Springs, but I wanted to gain these multimedia skills because when you look at job descriptions these days, they don't want someone who can just write. They want someone who can potentially do anything on their staff. So whether that's photography, a little bit of video editing, um, coding graphics you know you name it you need to become a more visual person because they expect like millennials or young people like us to to have all these like technology skills that the older people don't and so i didn't have any of that because i didn't go to j school and i also the network that i built is great and um You know, I love all my mentors that I've met through various writing conferences, but I also felt like I needed more connections. And especially if you go to a grad school like Northwestern, like they call it like the Medill Mafia, because literally every journalistic news outlet you see out there probably has a Medill grad. So I, you know, that's enticing, especially in a job market that can seem abysmal, um, so I knew that I needed to I needed to increase my network and I also needed to increase my skill set. And also I wasn't, you know, after working at newspapers for two years and you know, they're granted they're small town newspapers and I don't know what it's like to work at like the New York Times or yeah. something. But I also was like, you know, I I don't know if I want to pigeonhole myself to the newspaper lifestyle. I love it but I also want to know what else is out there. And I don't think you really realize like the diverse um, set of jobs out there until you go to school and you realize that, oh, there's something called a digital content producer. Oh, there's something that's called a social media coordinator. And there's all these different outlets that I didn't even know about. And then there's even companies and stuff that I didn't know take journalism majors so it's like okay if i don't make it in journalism and i have you know this i have the skills from j school they actually apply to a wide range of jobs um so you know i think that pretty much summarizes why i went and i don't know if i as far as recommending it i mean I think if you already went to J school, I don't understand why you go to grad school, to be quite honest. Um, especially if you went to undergrad somewhere that's got a really strong journalism program. And because you gain all these skills anyway, and you probably have somewhat of a network established. Um, and you know journalism school is really expensive. And I think like if you wanna go somewhere that's truly worth your dime, yeah. It's probably somewhere that's very high ranked and all the highest ranking J schools are very expensive. So yeah. that's, you know, Berkeley, Columbia, Northwestern. I mean, that's what I looked at. And I'm sure there are great programs somewhere else. I think like UNC and Ohio and Wisconsin and Maryland, they all have programs. IUPUI has a great program, but I was very like worried you know, if I'm spending this kind of money, I better go to the best of the best, which you know may not be necessarily the same case as like other professions. I mean, you can get an MBA anywhere, and nobody cares. Yep. And you can get, I mean, law degree. It's like top twenty five, but you still have you know more choices in law. In law, and then in medicine, who cares? You just go to med school.
0: Yeah. So. And I mean, because you mentioned connections a lot, like network and whatnot. I mean, as a because I understand the importance, but, I mean, like, for people out there, I mean, like, how significant are our connections in journalism, and like, in your opinion?
1: I think they're incredibly significant. Um, not only, you know, I haven't seen a lot of results as far as, like, getting a job or getting an internship, you know, out of them. But I think that, for me, that's how I learned journalism was talking to people who were really good at it and they've been the kind of people who give me feedback because when you work at a small town newspaper especially these days I mean at no fault of their own editors don't have a lot of time to tell you what you're doing right what you're doing wrong beyond like AP style and maybe one or two sentences they thought was confusing yeah um but if you send your stuff to someone else who maybe has a little bit more time or has been doing this for a while and takes an invested interest in you, then they can really send you some honest feedback, tell you why you suck and um, how to get better, you know? And so for me, it's like not just the whole job outcome thing. And plus it's also, it's nice because you kind of cultivate this community for yourself where everybody has certain things in common and You know, so if you need to vent about something, like they're there for you. But if you also need to like, if you're really excited about a story and you don't know what to do, they're there for you, you know? And I, I think that people make the mistake that networking is solely for jobs. And I don't, I don't think that's the case. And I did get my steamboat job partially out of networking, kind of by accident. My, it was like a family friend that I knew worked for the Vale daily and we went skiing, talked to him for a long time. And he said, well, I'll let you know if anything opens up in the mountains. And he did, he sent me an email. He said, Steamboat is hiring. You should apply because I actually told her that you already did. Oh, wow. So yeah, and so then I ended up you know, getting the job because through Swift Communications, if you refer someone to a job and they end up getting it, I think you end up getting compensated for yeah. it and so i think that benefited him too um but yeah i mean that's my network is mostly been people kind of teaching me how to navigate this world that is journalism
0: that that's definitely cool to hear and i mean uh second uh, this is just like just kind of like the i don't know how to phrase this correctly but like just like the nerd in me, because I know at Northwestern, like, you guys are taught by J.A. Donde, right? Yeah. Like, how, like, for, like, a sports journalism nerd, like, me, I mean, I would feel like that would be, like, the coolest thing to be taught by somebody like him. I mean, because you're taking his class right now, right? Or you already did? I yeah, mean,
1: I mean, he's in, um, yeah, so my first class taught by J.A. was um, sports and society so that was really um a class where we talked about um not sticking to sports i guess and kind of you know the history of um social movements through sports and um also when things pop up like the china nba scandal that happened um we'll put that we'll put that up for discussion and Then we also like had a lecture on how to cover concussions um, and stuff like that. But it's basically, it was kind of this context course that taught us, you know, how can we better cover these issues so that voices, the voices of the athletes are heard because with the Colin Kaepernick issue, it became more about the act of him kneeling rather than what he was kneeling for when it came to the coverage. And you see that when you're reading through. All those documents, and now you're also reading through. Like, why doesn't he have a job? And it's not about what he originally stood for. Yeah. And there's only there was only like one article that we reviewed that really got to the meat and interviewed him and said, "Hey, like, why did you sit?" Actually, because he sat initially, and then he knelt. People forget. Um, but so that was that was really interesting because it was kind of just teaching us how to take a different perspective and how to be more considerate. Um, in affording your interviews space to talk about important things. Uh, the next course I did not take with him. I took my Medill Explores course, which is where we get to travel for a week. Yeah. Um, and I went to Los Angeles to cover the NBA, NHL, and uh, PGA Genesis Invitational. So, um, that was actually taught by Melissa Isaacson, who's a longtime ESPN reporter, and she used to work for the Chicago Tribune. Oh, that's cool. Um, she was the Bulls and the Bears beat writer, oh, wow. basically. So she's also been an incredible professor. Um, and then now I'm in her advanced sports reporting class, and JA sits in on that and kind of adds his expertise and I'll be taking his sports commentary class, which I think is kind of his bread and butter uh, next quarter. Um, but he's also, he's head of the sports media specialization. So okay. we interact with him in a variety of different ways. And he kind of presents us with like, here's a guest speaker, why don't you come? Here's the Google tools workshop, why don't you come? But as far as JA goes, like I was definitely starstruck like the first couple of classes. Yeah. And I think a lot of us were kind of scared to... Because his first class, like, sports and society, was a discussion-based class. Okay. And I think we were all kind of, like, in between this, do we speak up? Is he going to shut us down? Or do I say a lot because I want to impress him? Um, It was, like, this balance of, like, do I talk or do I not? Yeah. And, uh, you know... (laughs) But he's, he's kind of – he's super down-to-earth, and, um, you know, he's definitely tough. He's a tough grader.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, extremely
1: too, so. tough grader. We were all very, like, startled by uh, his grading because he definitely wants to make sure that you – if you have an argument, you back it up well. Um, but, I, you know, I – I kind of just look at him as a regular dude now. And it's funny because especially we're watching like the MJ documentary Yeah, and we have a live zoom chat with him and Melissa cause they both are in it actually. And it's just kind of funny cause you see him on the screen and then you're like chatting with him on zoom and you're like, Oh my God, I forget. Like he's such a big deal. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think, it, I think it's fun. I think, jay is definitely fun i think he pushes you and he wants the best for you
0: that's really cool to hear especially because i mean like you never want to meet your heroes but like some because like sometimes they let you down but that's really cool to hear that he's just like a chill well dude. and the
1: funny thing too was like sometimes we were wait. sometimes it took a while to grade a couple things and we'd see him tweeting about the nba until like 3 a.m <laughs> and we'd be like JA's like tweeting until 3 a.m., but he can't grade her damn papers. <laughs> but I mean he always did. I think he he also did a very thorough job, but he yeah, he's he's kinda goofy, you know? I mean like goofier than you would expect him to be. Okay. Um but yeah. You know, it's fun. I kind of get to tell my guy friends that I know J.A.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. That, that's definitely, like, something I'm kind of, like, jealous of. Because, like, whenever I see you, like, tweet about your Northwestern experience, I'm, like, I'm a little bit jealous sometimes because, like, all like, the people that you learn from and so forth. But, oh, uh, because...
1: I don't think he follows me back on Twitter yet, oh, which thanks. is kind of upsetting. But I don't know. I respect it. You know, you got to keep that Twitter ratio. But yeah. it's funny because... One time he tweeted out one of my articles, and I was, like, super excited about it. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I made JA's Twitter, and everybody's like, wow, like, Leah made JA's Twitter. And I was like, it's probably because I wrote about the NBA.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, because uh, I I was listening back, because I know you like Jeff Perlman's podcast, uh, like, Two yeah. Writers, Singing yank. And, uh, like, he mentioned you on it, because, uh, like, you brought up, like, the – like question that I think that you asked him about, like you maybe feeling, I'm not sure how to, frit. like I think it was like, cause like you're young and you see other young writers, uh, getting all these big time jobs. Like for example, cause like for Dallas morning news wise, I mean, Kelly Kaplan, right. is like the mass beat writer. And then like Joseph Hoyt, who's also pretty young is covering like high school football and also helping out with like Ranger stuff sometimes. I mean, like why would you, cause a lot of kids and who do go to J school, and like, like, get a cover football, college football sometimes, right, for, like, a couple of years. Like, I had some friends who cover, who covered college football at Iowa State for two years, right? Like, why would you recommend them going to, like, maybe a smaller paper? Because, like, a lot of kids in J school kind of already have that pers- perception, like, oh, I don't need to go cover high school sports. I should be going to cover, like, college football beats, maybe, like, pro beats because I already have covered two years of college football. And
1: it's interesting because if I – um, if I were in the position coming out of college where I came out of J school and someone offered me a college beat writing job, I would absolutely take it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I applied to Dallas Morning News a couple times and I knew I wasn't going to get the job, but I just wanted them to know who I was. And I also think that anytime you apply, anytime you draft a cover letter, anytime you draft a resume you learn something from it. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, it's really easy to feel inadequate. And, um, when I listened to Jeff Perlman's podcast, I think there were a couple times where he had like a 22 year old covering the nationals for the Washington post. Yeah. And then he had someone else who was really young and covering another professional team. And, that's why I brought to his attention. I was like, you know, I kind of, you know, these are kind of the people who, um, they got this lucky break or they're just really freaking talented. And I feel inadequate compared to them because I'm not there yet. And I was like, can you talk to somebody who maybe, you know, anybody who works, you know the kind of the smaller job of covering high school sports now and is my age and Callie is she's not like the designated Mavs beat writer she still mainly covers high school sports but she covers the Mavs like I guess you'd say part-time which is why I recommended her and Joe Hoyt who's a high school sports guy but as far as like what you learn as being this I'm sorry Oh, it's okay. There's like this guy who keeps edging or mowing his lawn wherever I move in my apartment. It's really (laughs) annoying.
0: Oh, it's fine.
1: Um, So I'm just going to keep moving until I avoid his sounds. I don't hear him. He's seemingly everywhere. It's really, it's permeating my life right now. And it's super annoying. Um. Okay, I. Sorry. Okay. So, I, I. What you learn from covering high school sports is everything. I guess. I mean, and it's kind of like this. And the way they teach you is they literally they throw you into the ocean. They're like, don't drown. Yeah. You know. And so. And so. I think that's a really great way to learn. Especially with journalism is no matter where you go, like both of my jobs kind of just did that thing where they were like, "Yeah, so uh here's your first assignment. Go." You know? And you and um when you're in Iowa in Mason City, Iowa, and you're covering high school football and you can't really make out the lines on the football fields or and, or if you're covering high school baseball and, you know, everybody calls everything differently and there's no official stat keeping,
0: yeah.
1: um, you really have to learn the game. And I think that's, and I think, you know, while gamers are antiquated and whatever, writing gamers helps you better understand the game that you're covering because... I came into Iowa, I didn't know, and I had covered softball, but I had to learn how to cover softball because I didn't know the game of softball. I never played it. I never really watched a lot of it. My cousin played collegiate softball and I told her to give me a crash course. (laughs) And then, you know, I went to Iowa and I was covering baseball and you know, it's similar, but still a little different. And um, so that's literally how I learned the game of baseball was covering it. And then that's how I learned hockey in Iowa was I covered it and then that's how I learned, you know, but I you know, you gain a lot of skills as far as being analytical and also understanding the way a game works to a point that you can actually just ask decent questions. I mean, I know that stories about the game outright are not interesting, yeah. but you want to sound like you know what you're talking about when you're asking athletes about what they do. Yeah. And so I think the benefit of high school sports is you have to cover every type of sport, And so you get a basic knowledge of every sport and how it works and the stats. And then you also, um, you also have to work those stats yourself and um, you have to write on deadline usually. And so when you're doing all of this as a one-man show and you're still able to create like a somewhat compelling story, I mean, number one, it's a great accomplishment. And number two, it's a huge skill to be able to write on such a tight deadline while doing it all. I mean, when I was in Steamboat, I had a tighter deadline. I had to take photos oh, dang. and I had to take somewhat coherent stats
0: dang.
1: and, um, you're not going to get every stat cuz you're taking photos.
0: Yeah,
1: no. Um but now it's like, okay, I I feel very confident that when I walk into a situation where the stats are handed to me, I can do it. You know, it's easy because you always want to make things harder before it gets easier, right? Because yeah, then true. you then you can really nail doing something the easy way. But also what was cool about, you know, Iowa was I I really got to do it. I really got to put together like every single part of the sports section. And that went down to like the TV schedule and the weekly high school schedule and just the little things. And it's kind of interesting to see how it all comes together and the process that it goes through from start to finish. Um, And I think that, you know, even though we're not printing newspapers at the rate that we were, it's still interesting to see that process and to see how things are organized because then you can maybe think about how you can do it better someday. Yeah, And it's still like this skill of organization and cleaning things up and deciding what's important, what's not, especially as the space shrinks, you want to allocate that space to the most important content. Yep. So I think there's a lot of benefits to doing it. And I also think that, The stories are incredible. I mean, I'm sure you know this, but you really – there's some really compelling stories at the high school level, especially since most people will not go on and play in college. This is, like, this is the pinnacle of their career. It was the pinnacle of my career, so I can relate to them on that. And they're really fighting, you know. When it comes to high school – when it comes to college and professional – there's always some other goal in mind and with high school, it's really the only goal is winning and, or doing your best. And then at that level, coaches are still teaching like life lessons. And so it's, it's a very powerful experience. You can tell some really awesome stories about some really incredible people and kids and you develop relationships that um, touch your heart and way that not a lot of other, and like you know, I know you're being unbiased and whatever, but I think it's not, it's, it's endearing when you're able to get like a really good story and you make somebody feel good, you know, and you make a whole community, you touch a whole community's heart because they're sharing this article on Facebook everywhere and you kind of walk around town and they all know who you are. I'd go to... The local high V, and it would be like, and this kid checking, you know, checking me out at the register would be like, oh, you're Leah. I read your tweets and I read your articles and I just love what you write. And in Steamboat, it was similar too. Like people knew who I was everywhere I went, and I think that that's kind of fun. You know, you get to be a little bit of a celebrity.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely because I mean, uh, I think I wrote like, I I didn't think it was like my best piece, but like I wrote about like a. Junior basketball player down here. He was like growing as like a leader while he was like hurt and whatnot. And like his mom like posted on Facebook about like how like it made her cry when she like read it and so forth. And like just like I was like, damn, wow, I made somebody cry just by writing something. But I mean, you mentioned to about like stories, like inspiring stories. I mean, uh, I've liked your stories. I mean, you're a really talented writer. I mean, I think you have a bright future and. I mean, some of them that I've, like, read in the past, I think one was, like, on an Osage runner, yeah. right? I mean, what are some of your favorite stories that, that you've written? I mean, that's one of my favorites that you've written. I mean, is there anything else that you're, like, damn, like, this is, like, my favorite piece I've ever, like, wrote? Like, is there any stories that you remember, like, those are my most proud ones? I mean, hands down, like, the
1: my favorite story that I've ever written Um was that story in osage iowa so basically for people who haven't read it um i went to a track meet it was like the district track meet or something um in osage and um and i had been covering it all week and i was approached by the athletic director and he said i don't know if you can write about this but there's something really special happening tonight And i was like okay well what's going on and he goes well there's a runner from walk iowa and her dad is in hospice care uh, for lung cancer but he really wanted to see her run so we're gonna let him pull up on we're gonna let his mom her um her mom pull up the car on the track so her dad can watch from the car because he does not have the strength to up and sit in the stands and you know you're also running the risk of infection yeah um so you know because each track has that little straightaway that kind of ends into this like abyss and it just so happened that at osage you could um it led to like the parking lot so you could just pull up onto the straightaway and she was running the 1600 and she didn't know this was happening oh wow so Um, which was interesting. And so, and I think her dad also used to be one of the track coaches. Okay. Um, so they had made this special arrangement and of course there were all these different, um, options. They thought about parking the car somewhere else. And, um, that was going to be too far because the track was kind of elevated with respect to the parking lot. So she runs this race and i'm watching this in real time like they've got the car on the track and not a lot of people really are processing it because they kind of probably think it's like part of a concession stand thing or something and um he's watching from a window in the car and she's running the 1600 and she's not like gonna win the race or anything like she's not a top runner yeah and she's also not a runner from any of my coverage range like she's from far away in iowa okay um so I've never covered her before, and so she runs this race, and as soon as she's done, she just keeps going, and sprints up to the car window, and, you know, kind of shares this intimate moment with her dad, and then walks off, and so the athletic director from Osage, which was the host site, led me over to the head track coach, and I said, you know, I think this is kind of, I said, look, I know this is a super personal story but I'm a cancer survivor and I know how important these moments are I'd really like to speak to Megan who was the runner and talk to her about what it was like to run a race for her father and in front of her father this season and um, the coach was like I don't know if she would want this published I don't know if this is like a good I think this might be too touchy for the family. And so I said, okay, that's fine. Here's my work phone number. Tell her to give me a call if she wants to share her story. And so at first I'd kind of written around it. And it was, I put this story off until like, it's like my last story to file, right? Yeah. And I, because I knew that it wasn't going to be complete without her. And so I, I just kind of wrote about the logistics of getting the car on the track and you know the scene i painted the scene and then she ended up calling on sunday like two days later and she said hi my name is megan o'neill i told that you're a reporter that wants to talk to me about my dad and so i called her right away And I said, hey, Megan, like, it's Leah. I'm from the Globe Gazette in Mason City, Iowa. Look, I know that you're not from my coverage range, but I saw this happen, and I just want to know what it meant to you to have your dad, you know, be able to watch you. And so she was talking about, like, her dad's diagnosis, and she shared his whole story. I don't know, like, I don't know what makes this girl, like, willing to open up to me at all. I don't know what kind of magic I brought But she opens up to me about this entire story about how her dad has really influenced her running career and how, you know, how the family has taken his diagnosis and how he only has three months to live. He hasn't been able to see any of her races this entire season. And this is her last race. She's a senior in high school and she just wanted him to be there. And so I ended up publishing the story and because it was out of my coverage range, like my editor was kind of like, why are you spending all this time on this story? But it ended up being one of the most re- read stories on, um, for the paper that, I mean, for a while because it touched different parts of Iowa because yeah. they knew, like a whole different region of Iowa knew this girl and knew the guy who knew his de her dad, because he was a track coach. Um, but I think, that one and then i also wrote a story about a girl with a a heart condition who was playing basketball she had hypertrophic cardiomyopathy which is like it's kind of risky to play basketball with that okay and Mm -hmm. she was sucking. she had gone to mayo clinic and sought permission to play again after you know taking half a season off and so i wrote about that story which also really touched my heart and those were both in iowa i think My favorite story from Steamboat would probably be covering the ultra marathon, the Run Rabbit Run 100. It was just kind of fun, and those people are crazy.
0: Yeah, no, they are. So
1: it's hilarious. Um, And plus it was just kind of a fun experience to wake up at, like, 3 a.m. and go watch people finish a race and then stay there until, like, 8 a.m. and um, kind of see the the sun come up and the progression of – you know, because I had been there since, like, I had been there the day before at, like, 6 a.m., and then I came back the next day at 3 a.m., and so it was kind of this huge... I felt like I went through the journey with them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'd stop along the route. Um, that was the most fun, and that Medill... Yeah, I'm just going to tell you all my favorite stories from all the different outlets. Oh, I that's fine. With. And you can just edit this how you how you choose. Um, from Medill, I... So Chicago has this big sports bar scene where, like, you – every NFL team has a designated bar in Chicago where all their fans congregate and watch. And I was like, first of all, how do they come together and claim a bar? And second of all, um, you know, what's it like? Is it different if I go to a Chiefs bar and versus the Cowboys bar? And I go to, like, a Texas bar, I go to a Cowboys bar – and so I went the week of the divisional playoffs to a chiefs bar. And then, you know, the same day I went to a Seahawks bar. Okay. I couldn't find a Houston Texans bar and I couldn't find a Tennessee Titans bar. Um, so I just kind of did the fly on the wall thing. Like, you know, I kind of was like, oh, this is what Charlotte Wilder does yeah. <laughs> sometimes. And I remember one of her, one of my favorite college football pieces is by her and she did, Kind of this thing on why football attendance is dropping and so i felt like i was doing that but i also got i mean the chiefs bar those people know how to party and they just like accept you as their own and they got me like way too drunk <laughs> and like they were just handing me drinks and they, they were like you got to take a shot with us you got to do this like you have to because they have this big comeback and then they handed me food too. And I was like, I I I can I pay you? They're like, no, we're just paying for you. Just deal with it. And they had all these designated people sitting in certain areas who led certain cheers. Okay. I mean it was absolutely wild. And then I went to the Seahawks bar, which was like still wild, a little bit more chill, a little bit more spread out. I mean, the Chiefs bar is like this crowded dive bar. And, of course, there's a person limit unless you're a female and you walk up to the bouncer. Yeah, that's true. And then, like, the Seahawks bar, they're not, like, at capacity. But I met a ton of cool people who were like, this started from a Facebook group. And, you know, we've moved to different bars. And so I got to figure out the Seahawks bar and learned how these bars come together together. How these fan bases band together and kind of the beauty of the friendship that are the friendships that are formed there because these people didn't know each other in seattle they met each other in chicago yeah and then the cheese bar was mostly about the day of experience because yeah. i was just like drunk and <laughs> it was just great i had a great time so yeah. those are my favorite stories
0: i mean I, I read both of those and i really liked them because i always find those type of pieces interesting but I mean, because you're still in grad school. I mean, you obviously you hope to land a job here. Because I'm not sure like how long your grad school experience is supposed to go. Like I'll be
1: done in August. Okay,
0: so in August. I mean, like because obviously you you have hopes and dreams like everybody else. I would assume so. Still, unless this yeah. like industry has already killed you, which I know has done to some people uh, who I know. But I mean, what's your hopes and dreams in this industry? Like, what's your like ultimate goal?
1: No, i don't
0: want to you know like, i don't
1: i don't want to be specific because i think that i think that i want to do a little bit of everything okay and i think that's what northwestern has shown me like i would love to produce a documentary i would love to write a long form magazine piece i would love to you know do some more photography and digital media um i'd love to have a podcast which i have one right now but um I'd love to produce more podcasts, you know. So um I think especially in this industry it's important to be flexible. Yep. And you know, I don't I don't know what I don't know what my dream looks like at this point in time. I think number 1 I want something that's available.
0: Yeah, that's true. And
1: that pays me a living wage and has health insurance. Uh um, Yeah, no,
0: that those definitely are two things.
1: Those are really important for me, but I also I think um I think I want to stay in a big city. I think that's what makes me happy. So that whether that's Chicago or Dallas or somewhere else, I think that's something else that I think is really important to me. Um, just because I'm a social person and I like to, I like the joy of like walking to the grocery store or something and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but, you know, and I, I think I really wanted when I first entered this program, I really wanted to cover football in some way. And I think that is still true. I wanna be involved in the football world because I love football. Um, But if I'm not involved in the football world, then I think that I might want to be involved in the women's professional sports world, which is totally different.
0: Yeah, no, it is. But
1: I think that there are so many untapped stories and I think that we need to start providing visibility for the NWSL, the WNBA and the LPGA and tennis, volleyball, all of it. I think that, you know, I, I sent out a survey because so I'm working on a story right now about it And, like, what's keeping people from watching women's professional sports, which I admittedly don't watch a lot of them either because, honestly, they're not broadcast very well. And and most people said that they don't know where to watch them because they're literally not broadcast very often. And I was like can you imagine if there was like a TV deal, you know, I mean, I know the WNBA has a little bit better now with the collective bargaining agreement, but can you imagine, you know, if we afforded women's sports some more airtime on some prominent channels that everybody has and not just Twitch, but you know, that I know that women's hockey league is doing really well on Twitch, but um, what if we gave them airtime? Like, what kind of world will we live in? And I think that's really an exciting prospect. So we'll have to see. I don't
0: know. Yeah, because, I mean, back to, like, the women's sports thing. I did take your survey, by the way. Yeah. To like help you out. But, like, as you said, like, because it's not really broadcast that well. I mean, I did watch a couple of women's basketball games this year, mostly because it was because of uh, Sabrina Nescu, like, because she's yeah. the GOAT. So, like, I probably will start watching NBA, like, the WNBA more to just, like, watch her and, like, so forth. But, I mean, last question for you. But what are some of, like, because obviously you're in grad school. You have two – you have a couple years of experience in, like, the real journalism world. I mean, what is some of, like, the advice that you would offer to, like, maybe, like, a freshman in college that wants to get into this business?
1: Um – Be flexible okay. and don't have a narrow expectation of what you're going to do. I didn't think I was gonna move to Iowa. Yeah, no. Um, and I think also you gotta be humble. Um, and I think we all struggle with being humble in general, especially when you really work your ass off on something. Um, but it is really easy to get a big head too because people might you know kind of stroke your ego because you get a lot of tweets or something or you know someone tells you to do a good job on the piece and then when you start not hearing people telling you how you did a good job on something you're like why isn't anybody complimenting me
0: yeah
1: Uh, blah 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 like sit down you don't know you don't know how to run this business you don't know how this works listen to your elders and also be flexible because if you truly want to do this, like you can't just think that you're going to be the next Bill Simmons podcast yeah, no. or, you know, the next. And also I just think there is an importance to removing yourself from your stories. And, um, I think that that's important. So yeah, I guess being humble and being flexible. <laughs> so, cause you know, like, I know that everybody's super pessimistic right now especially in the in the pandemic but i think you also should be optimistic for when sports do come back and you can't let it get you down so maybe you're not going to be a long form writer for sports illustrated which was kind of my original dream but you might get to do something else that's really freaking cool right
0: yeah
1: don't like pigeonhole yourself into thinking that you're going to be this one thing I think you need to consider that you can probably still work in sports but it may not be what you pictured but it still might be really really fun and I think that that's the important part is like choose something like I'm really focused on trying to find a job that makes me excited makes me fun because work that's what we work for is we work for the enjoyment and kind of the um you know I, you're going to work harder at something that you love than something that you hate and so a lot of times in sports media you get paid in the form of experience rather than money
0: yeah
1: and i think that's important to realize so as long as you've accepted that and you are okay with that and you're excited to just work in sports in general, then I think you're going to be okay.
0: Yeah, most definitely there. And I mean, that was the last question I had for you. Uh, I mean, where can people like find your work at? Like, I mean, like, if you want to plug in like your social media or like even your, Oh podcast.
1: yeah. Um, I tweet a lot. So at L van underscore sports van, like a minivan, but with two N's I have a website. So that's van Leah.com. That's just my portfolio website, but, um, my Spotify. So my podcast is the Life After Cancer Biographies, which is on SoundCloud and Spotify right now. And um, yeah, I mean, and I guess as far as stuff that I'm publishing right now, it would be on the Medill News Service website. So I think it's like Medill dot Chicago dot. Okay um just check my twitter <laughs> okay because <laughs> that one's like a website that i don't have memorized
0: yeah, no but i mean i appreciate you coming out to this podcast Leah. and i mean stay safe as usual